welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that was wrong about Georgia. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother with a new microphone. Yeah, new and improved. That's Ryan Newman. And by the other brother who carried our foursome on the golf course today. All right. That was Trey Newman. But surprisingly, we all contributed. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Ryan, we, uh, we won a charity golf tournament today without you. Yeah. Where was, where was my invitation? Oh, must have got lost in the mail. Yeah. Ouch. That hurts, <laughs> guys. Thanks a lot. All right. Before we, re- before we recap week two, let's give an update on our Yahoo College Football Pick'em standings. Trey? You are in a tie for first place right now. Wow. Bravo. With War Eagle and Linebacker U, and that's closely followed by Demo and Irish Car Bomb. So we'll keep tabs on that throughout the season to see who wins, of course, the t-shirt, the digital trophy, and the message from Beth Moens, most importantly. Quite a bundle. Yeah. Trey, you are ineligible for those prizes, unfortunately. Wow. (laughs) All right. Let's get into the week two recap. And we'll start with with Georgia. It turns out they're they're pretty good, guys. Yeah, a little bit. They dominated South Carolina, forty-one to seventeen on the road. Trey, what'd you see here? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm leading off because I I deserve to eat some crow here. I know I was high on South Carolina in this particular spot, but of <laughs> course Georgia just blasted them from the opening whistle. We've been talking about this one all summer. I I admit I was wrong. <laughs> I underestimated how good Georgia really, really actually is. Uh, but what what has really surprised me, though, at least through their first couple games, is how good their defense has been, considering what they lost. I mean, they opened with a pick six in this game, and they were constantly harassing and getting well, pressure. a weird pick six, because he dropped it before the end zone. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right. I, I do want to talk about that in a moment. But, but yeah, they've got... They were getting pressure on Bentley. They completely shut the South Carolina running game down. They they averaged South Carolina only averaged less than three yards per carry. So again, I was wrong on on this game, Georgia fans. No one loves Ugga more than I do on this particular podcast. Go dogs. But Michael, you did bring up that point. We continue to see the epidemic <laughs> that is dropping the ball before the goal line, which I will never understand. It's it's incredible. It, it happens every year. It seems like multiple times a year now. And yeah, uh, definitely, luckily on this one, well, at first they didn't review it. Yeah, and it seemed like they just gave the touchdown to Baker. But as it turns out, I don't know who makes this decision, but they did credit Jawan Taylor, the guy who came and picked it up. He he has been credited with the touchdown. He's the one who deserves it, so that's good. Yeah, smart play. Yeah, but I agree with you, Trey. I mean, we were all kind of a little bit lower on Georgia than everybody. I I picked them to go ten and two. But I mean, it doesn't look like they've taken a step back at all. It seems like they are, they this year are in that kind of permanent juggernaut status because I don't see it stopping anytime soon. You mentioned the yards per carry, Trey, but 271 rushing yards for Georgia to 54 for South Carolina. Just ridiculous. And their offensive line is the, is the craziest thing to me because I remember <laughs> before last season, that was the big question with Georgia was, is their offensive line going to hold them back? Because it had been struggling for, I think, quite a few years. But it's obviously now one of the best in the country. And hard for me to imagine Georgia losing two more games with, uh, or two games with the schedule they have remaining. So 
I mean, nothing more I can say about them. Yeah, you guys obviously covered it real well here. I mean, they just only had one turnover. They had just four penalties. So, I mean, they're already looking like a playoff team, playoff caliber team. And the third quarter is when they really started to dominate. They dominated that quarter 21 to nothing. Uh, so apparently Kirby made some some pretty nice adjustments at halftime, but Uga's looking really good. So bravo for them. And as far as South Carolina, I wouldn't I wouldn't overreact to this if I was a South Carolina fan. I mean, I think Georgia's probably going to do this to a lot of teams this year. So their hopes and dreams for this year, I, th- I think, are still alive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. And let's throw in a question here. We actually got a question on Twitter regarding Georgia. It comes from at Deloid69. And he asks, will any Georgia player deserve the Heisman or are they going to be the underdog playoff team like last year? So what do you think, Trey? I don't know if they have a Heisman winner on on this team this season. I, I just don't see from putting up video game numbers. And, and then with their running backs, they kind of have a committee right now with Swift, Holyfield, and Cook, etc. So They do, yeah. From, from would really need to explode and have an undefeated season for him to maybe win the thing. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Trey. I think they're talented enough to win the Heisman. Like, they're great players, but they're just not going to have the opportunities to put up those numbers. So I, I don't think any of them are going to have a realistic chance of doing it. Yeah, and be, like you said, Trey, with the with the running back by committee, I think Fromm's the only guy with a even plausible chance. But like you say, they're 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 not a team that's going to put up those huge passing stats necessarily. So I think it's a long shot. Yep. But I don't think, by the way, getting to the are they going to be an underdog playoff team? I don't think Georgia would be much of an underdog against anybody this year. So no, I don't think we'll have to worry about that. I mean, maybe I mean against Alabama, well, I'm sure it would be three points or less. I would imagine. You'd think. Yep. All right, let's get to our next game. Clemson at Texas A&M. A&M was down 28-20 late, and Kellen Mond completed a pass to Courtney Davis, who fumbled it near the goal line. Brutal play. They determined that it went out of bounds for, or actually, it went out of bounds in the end zone for a touchback. It was kind of hard to tell whether that was the right call or not, but do you guys agree that that's a bad rule? That's kind of what everyone's saying now. I think it is a terrible rule. It's way too punitive. It's a really harsh punishment. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It doesn't seem like that should be the rule. I don't know what it should be, but that seems awfully harsh, you know? I agree. But luckily, it didn't decide this game because A&M got a second chance. Kellen Mond threw a 24-yard touchdown pass to go down two, but unfortunately for Aggie fans, the two-point conversion was no good. But my one note from this game is, Ryan, <laughs> I, I think you know what's going to come here. <laughs> no, I have no idea. I think you owe an apology to Kellen Mond. I mean, I, I'm going to get to it. I'm getting to it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I'll, 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 I'll yeah. let you do it later. But yeah. he was unbelievable this game. 23 of 40, 430 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Also had 10 carries for 33 yards against Clemson. Like, unbelievable game. And you got to be excited if you're an A&M fan, especially with, uh, you know, Jimbo's first go around against a, a really good team. So I, I would be excited. Okay. Uh, Jimbo Fisher is a wizard, you know? He's, well, that's how you're going to spit he's, it. He's a wizard. You're you saying know? it just had to have been... It, you can't give any credit to Kellen Mond for working hard in the offseason and improving. I was going to say that. I was. You're just not letting me finish. Uh-huh. He's a wizard. Kellen Mond actually looked like a really good quarterback in this game. And tons of respect to him for working hard during the offseason and improving so much from going from the worst to the best, so, <laughs> you know? 
bravo. I got to give him props. That's That was amazing. So good for him. Um, but and actually great for Aggie fans to see that, you know, they got to feel a lot better about themselves seeing uh, Kellen Mond improve like that. And their defense stepping up. They played pretty darn well against a high-powered Clemson offense. So uh, absolutely very encouraging uh, game if you're an Aggie fan. Heartbreaking, but, you know, encouraging. Yeah, no, just and just last point on on the Aggies, especially with with Jimbo, with the personnel not fully in Jimbo's system, he's he's proving that he can adapt and 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 be competitive with uh, with this team now. But to the Clemson side, I think they've handled the quarterback situation about as well as you possibly could. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence and Bryant, they each have a solid role. And in the case of for Clemson, Lawrence continues to get the experience necessary, although they lean on Bryant, you know, when it kind of matters. But I think they've handled this this fantastically. And and I the one thing I will say, though, for Clemson, I wouldn't be worried about them saying, oh, they almost lost to A&M. A mobile quarterback is what can neutralize a stellar D line. And that's what Kellen Mond was able to do. They're not going to face many, many mobile quarterbacks like that uh, down the road. And not to mention, they won't have to play at A&M. Yeah. And a lot of the plays that Kellen Mond made in this game, I mean, even that the last touchdown, it was almost intercepted. So yeah, uh, I think it was just kind of everything went right for, yeah. for A&M in this game. I, I agree with that for sure. I knew you would agree with that, Ryan. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on yep. to Michigan State at Arizona State. Herm Edwards shut up the critics in this one, at least at least for now. They win 16-13. to 13. Ryan, what were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, this was a, a pretty ugly game overall. Neither team could really do much on the ground. Uh, but actually, both quarterbacks threw for over 300 yards. So I guess it's a little surprising neither of them could get to even 17 points. Uh, but you know, it's kind of crazy after two weeks, Arizona state, they might be the best looking team in the PAC 12 South. So you could definitely make that argument. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're right up there. Them in Utah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, most people were thinking they were going to be, you know, at the very bottom of that, maybe the entire conference, except for the Beavers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) do they even count? Yeah. I was going to say, does that count? Uh, but Hey, I guess, um, you know, it's Herm Edwards is doing a great job. So that's a, that's a, it's crazy what's going on down there right now yeah and pac 12 after dark strikes again i'm a big fan of of wilkins for asu he threw for 380 and he kind of has that that it factor and Nikhil harry he's he's a bad man at receiver that guy he came up big at the end that guy he's he's amazing and but sparty had chances they they threw a pick in the end zone at the end of the first half and with their defense, uh, a, a larger halftime lead would have been tougher for ASU to come back on. So, and, and, and Ryan, you touched on it. The one thing about Sparty is, is they pride themselves on running the ball, and they only averaged two point three per rush. So, yep that that was uh, that's disappointing if you're a Sparty fan. Yeah the the biggest concern for me about Michigan State through their first two games. I mean, neither of them have looked good at all, but. The thing that has has stood out is the offensive line. It has just not been good at all. I did not expect that to be this bad. And even though, you know, much like Miami, Michigan State was one of those teams that, of course, we've talked about this in the offseason, won a lot of games last year, but had all the signs that maybe they wouldn't, you know, maybe that wasn't sustainable. They won a lot of close games. They had relatively high turnover luck. So I guess we're seeing that here in the first two weeks. But I want to bring up something about Arizona State at the end of that game. Did you guys watch the end of this one? Yeah. 
Oh, they they how they kicked the field goal. Yeah, like the t- the clock management was great, and that's something that, that was. you probably wouldn't trust Herm Edwards Herm Edwards with necessarily, but they they handled it perfectly. They ran down the clock, you know, every single snap, and just kicked the super short field goal to win. Because I feel like a lot of fans want them to go for the touchdown, get up by seven, but I'd rather run the clock down to the very last play kick a you know field goal that you're going to make 95 percent of the time then rather than be up seven with two minutes left and give michigan state the ball yeah i know it's that's really smart thinking just to just there's only one way there that you know that's going to happen don't give michigan state a chance yeah so well done herm edwards let's get to our rapid recaps trey why don't you get us started all right starting out with penn state at pitt Penn State continues to dominate this rivalry with a lopsided 51 to 6 victory. Pitt's offense is pitiful and <laughs> add on add on 14 penalties and three turnovers. Wow. The Nittany Lions were able to cruise. Next one, UCLA at Oklahoma. UCLA hung tough in the first half before Kyler Murray exploded for five total touchdowns in a 49-21 victory. His legend continues to grow. The big news in this one, though, is that they lose star running back Rodney Anderson for the season due to a knee injury. Yeah, that's that's rough. Next game, Duke at Northwestern, battle of the smart schools. Big Ten West outside of Wisconsin had a real tough weekend. Duke won this one easily 21-7 at Northwestern. Northwestern actually outgained Duke by 80 yards but two turnovers set up scores for Duke. The tough news for Duke in this one is quarterback Daniel Jones broke his collarbone and is out indefinitely. That's too bad. Finally, Ball State at Notre Dame. Notre Dame held on for a 24-16 victory. It was ugly, and Ball State was able to to capitalize on some of Notre Dame's mistakes, but Notre Dame might have been just going through the motions as they're sandwiched in between some big games. All right, my first game, USC lost 17 to 3 at Stanford. JT Daniels and the the really the whole offense just did absolutely nothing. And What the heck, T Martin? I know. Yeah, I don't know who to blame if it's T Martin or if it's Clay Helton, but when you get the top recruiting class in the Pac-12 just about every single year, really no excuse for this type of performance against a good but likely not great defense. Mhm. So not looking good for USC. Kentucky finally ends the streak against Florida, though, for the first time since 1986. They get the victory, 27 to 16. And a week after a terrible debut for Kentucky, Terry Wilson looked really good against the Florida defense. Yeah. Rough start for really all the Florida, the big Florida schools. Yeah, Florida's not good. Next game, Eastern Michigan upset Purdue 20 to 19 on a last second field goal. The big failure here was Jeff Brom going up 18 to 17 with six minutes left, six and a half minutes left, and not going for two. Kick the extra point to go up by two. And then, of course, Eastern Michigan, a few minutes later, kicks the game-winning field goal. Unbelievable decision. That's one of the dumbest things ever. Oh, my gosh. You deserve to lose. I mean, there was an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that put that attempt back 15 yards. But still, I mean, an extra point does you very little good there. My final game, Texas struggled to put away Tulsa 28-21. to The same Tulsa that went 2-10 and last year. But I think we have to remember, Tom Herman is in Mensa and is smarter than all of us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
All right. Uh, my first game uh, is Mississippi State at K-State. The Bulldogs dominated from start to finish in this one to win 31-10. to Kylan Hill had a huge game rushing for 211 yards and two TDs. Uh, and it's not looking good right now in Manhattan. Two two rough games to start the season. Yeah. My um, next game really hurts to talk about. Uh, Colorado <laughs> at Nebraska. I think most people who watched this game would probably agree Nebraska was the better team, but just couldn't overcome a couple of early turnovers and the injury to quarterback Adrian Martinez. Good news about Martinez's injuries. He's questionable for this week, so it's uh, not going to be a serious long, long uh, injury. So that's good for the, for those guys. Um, but good win for Colorado. LaVisca Chenault is a beast of a player. Yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> Iowa's uh, dominant defense led them to a 13-3 victory uh, over their in-state rival, Iowa State. So they've given up a grand total of 10 points through two games so far. Great defense in Iowa City. And then finally, Arkansas blew an 18-point second-half lead to lose 34-27 at Colorado State. So a super rough start for Chad Morris. Uh, in Fayetteville. All right, let's get to our segments. And our segment this week is surprises and disappointments. So we're going to go conference by conference. We'll assign one bro to each conference. And you have to say which team has been the most pleasant surprise and which has been the biggest disappointment. So Ryan, why don't you get us started with the ACC? All right. Uh, for me, the the most pleasant surprise, it was between two teams. I had Virginia Tech or Duke. I ended up going with uh, Virginia Tech here. Their defense looked fantastic, obviously, against the Seminoles. Uh, and then five days later, uh, they went and dominated William and Mary like they were supposed to. So things are looking pretty good in Blacksburg right now, especially considering the ACC's had a couple of disappointing teams So, uh, and considering what happened during their offseason. So good job, Justin Fuente, so far. Yeah, and Bud Foster. And yes, true, and Bud Foster. Uh, but my biggest disappointment for the ACC, I think this one's pretty obvious, uh, you got to go Florida State. Yeah. Uh, as we know, they were dominated by Virginia Tech. And then this past week, they were losing 26 to 21 late in the fourth quarter to Samford. Stanford? That's Samford, not Stanford. Oh. Yeah, with no T. Is that bad? Uh, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Florida State even had a five to one advantage in the turnover battle, and they still barely won. So <laughs> that's that's very, very alarming. So not good for Willie Taggart. But definitely, they might be the most disappointing team in the nation. Yeah, I would agree with that. But let's move on to the Big 12. Trey, who you got here? Yeah, in terms of a pleasant surprise, still a little early, but I'm going to say West Virginia right now. Yeah. I, I was impressed with how they dominated Tennessee and then this weekend, Youngstown State. Greer has lived up to the hype this season so far. And even though it's really early, I've been overall impressed by the Mountaineers. Yeah, and some of those some of those transfers on the D line too look really good. So, yeah, I'm optimistic on them as well. In terms of my biggest disappointment, I wanted to say Iowa State, but they had a tough draw with the canceled first game, then on the road at Iowa, and then they lost Kyle Kempt in that one. So I'm going to say Texas. I am lackluster performance against Maryland again, and then they had to hang on to beat Tulsa at home this past weekend by a touchdown. I'm not I'm not writing Texas off. But it's been an uninspiring first two games uh, for to, to year two in the Herman era. Yeah, not great. Kansas State, I would say, another good candidate for they are. a massive disappointment. Agreed. I'm going to take us on to the Big Ten. And my pleasant surprise is Maryland, the team that beat Texas as a two-touchdown underdog. 
uh, and then blew out Bowling Green this weekend late. So Matt Canada's offense looks great. And, you know, they could have just packed it in this year, but doesn't look like they're doing that. Biggest disappointment. I'm going with Purdue. They're 0-2. And that first week loss to, to Northwestern is looking not as good after after week two here. And then losing at home, of course, to Eastern Michigan. (laughs) That's going to get you on this disappointment list. Yeah. And their schedule remaining is absolutely brutal. They could easily go three and nine this year. Yeah. Uh, No, 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 no doubt. And by the way, I, this is all, this is all through two weeks. Of course, some of our biggest disappointments here, they could turn it around and have good seasons, but. Oh, of course. I just want to make sure Old Takes Exposed isn't listening and and jotting stuff down right now. (laughs) True. Uh, All right, Ryan, how about the Pac-12? Yeah, Pac-12. The most pleasant surprise. This one was tough because I feel like you actually have a few good options, but I went with the Sun Devils. Uh, Nobody expected much from them this year, and, you know, they went toe-to-toe and beat Sparty, who was, you know, a supposed team that could win the big 10 yeah um but you could have very easily said cal they're 2-0 wazoo and even stanford's look good so it's definitely some uh some good looking teams there so far but i i think sun devils uh and then my dig- biggest disappointment this one's got to be pretty obvious as well uh arizona i mean Ugh. what on god's they might be the is- most disappointing team in the country yeah it's true it's 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 close between them and fsu but like what is kevin sumlin doing to khalil tate I don't know. He's the most electric runner at QB in the nation, and he's not letting him run at all. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Houston absolutely annihilated Arizona this week. They were up 38-0 in the third quarter, and just, I don't know. It's like, you guys were both pretty high on the Wildcats this year, but... Yeah. I I mean, I think you probably assumed someone wasn't going to put the ankle restraints on Tate, but... No. You know, what's funny is I watched the the first first series against BYU that they had last week, and and they opened up passing with Tate. I was like, oh, you know, that's that's kind of a good move. They Not what BYU was expecting. Yeah. Then he's done it the whole game. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I love he, I think at halftime of this Houston game or something, he said, oh, you know, uh, Khalil Tate suffered an injury late in the first half or something like that with his ankle. So really had to change our game plan. Yeah. It's like, yeah. didn't change at all. It's what you've been doing since game one. <laughs> yeah, that was an excuse for sure. Uh, anyway. Good choice, Ryan. Uh, let's get to the SEC. Trey, who's the uh, the pleasant surprise of the SEC? Well, I was down to two. I, I'm going to say LSU. It could have been Kentucky, mm-hmm. but LSU was impressive when they rolled over Miami in week one. I just didn't see that coming, at least in that fashion. Joe Burrow has given the quarterback position at least at least a pulse. I'm, the jury's still out, but they have a tough task this week uh, going to Auburn, which which we'll touch on here later. My my biggest disappointment, Florida. Uh, they didn't have huge expectations in, in Gainesville, but a home loss to Kentucky when you'd beat them 31 straight years. They were favored to do it again this year. The offense looked pretty pedestrian. Frank's only completed, he completed less than 50% of his passes in this Kentucky game, and their leading rusher only had 44 yards. Ouch. <laughs> Not good. All right, I will take us home with the group of five. My pleasant surprise from the group of five, I think, is an obvious one. Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Their season win total was set at three and a half before the year. They're wow. already three and oh. And the quarterback, Cole McDonald, 1,165 yards, 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's also got 118 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. He's been unbelievable. Yeah. Heisman contender. Absolutely. Biggest disappointment is Northern Illinois. 
And maybe this is a bit harsh because, of course, they've had two really tough games at Iowa and then at home to Utah, but they just they can't score. I just thought that their offense would be a little bit better this year. We knew the defense would be good, and it's and it's shown that, but they've done pretty much nothing offensively. If we're crediting yeah. field goals to special teams, then Northern Illinois' offense has actually allowed more points than they've scored. They have a pick six and a safety, so they've given up nine points, and then they've only <laughs> scored seven. So to me, that that has to be a disappointment. That's just, yeah. Wow, yeah, that's rough. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the support. <laughs> Great picks. All right, let's move on to our week three picks, and we will start with number 12, LSU, going at number seven, Auburn. Auburn is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Ryan, who you like in here? Yeah, what a what a huge game this turned out to be with uh, LSU dominating Miami and Auburn beating UW. So it's a big one. Um, I'm very interested to see how Joe Burrow does against this great Auburn defensive line and if his receivers can actually catch the ball for him and make some plays. Uh, if that's a big if. Yeah. Um, and I think both defenses are actually pretty even in this one. They both have they're both fantastic. But I got to give the edge offensively to Auburn. I think in this one, I, I like Stidham pretty well. I think he's uh, with a returning quarterback, Gus Malzahn's offense. I think they'll be able to muster up enough to move the ball against LSU. So I think Auburn is going to do just enough to cover that uh, nine and a half point spread and and take the victory here. Yeah, I mean, my analysis is is pretty similar. I think you've got I think Auburn's defense may be a little bit better, but they're both top 10 defenses, and both teams have question marks offensively. LSU kind of across the board offensively, we're still unsure about a lot of positions there. Um, and then Auburn, we're still very unsure with their offensive line. Um, so even though I trust Stidham a lot more than Burrow, like you, Ryan, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game overall. And so when I think that, I'm always taking nine and a half points. I, I'm exactly with you, Michael. I, I think LSU is going to be able to muster up at least enough offense to keep it under that nine and a half. So I, I like the, the points here. All right, let's move on to a game I'm really excited about. Number 17, Boise State at number 24, Oklahoma State. The Cowboys are a three-point favorite. Trey, what do you think here? I'm with you. This is a great game. And this is it for Boise. If they want any remote remote chance at getting to the playoff although it's still very very unlikely if they do but they have to win here yeah and they gotta hope Okie State ends up being really good we, we we really don't know what Oklahoma State is this season they've whooped up on inferior opponents Taylor Cornelius has lit up the stat sheet throwing it around but he's also thrown three picks Boise Boise went on the road, destroyed Troy. Then most recently, they annihilated UConn. The Broncos, they have a strong and veteran defense. Almost all their starters return. So I'm not really buying Okie State yet, and I really like Boise and Rippon and their experience. I think they get the road win in Stillwater. So Boise is my lock of the week. Trey, I don't. this is the first time that's happened on the podcast, but this is also going to be my lock of the week. I'm going with Boise State. All right. We got a double lock here. So I just think Boise State matches up really well in this one. The strength of Oklahoma State is, of course, their receiving core, Jalen McCleskey, Dylan Stoner, all those guys. But Boise State has, you know, the best secondary in the Mountain West, for sure, and really one of the better ones in the country. You could make an argument that this might be the toughest defense that Oklahoma State is going to face this year. 
Yeah. Now, TCU might have something to say about that, but Boise State, I think, is right there. So I love Boise with the points in this one. Wow, guys. Uh, this is crazy, but yeah, this is my lock of the week as well. <laughs> oh, wow. They better do it. Oh, wow. Well, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma <laughs> State by 20 now. <laughs> I just I just think Boise's on a mission. I mean, they have a great quarterback, great ground game, great defense. I just, I don't know. I just feel like this is their year, and uh, they've they've proven it so far in their first couple games. They're not, they are just pedal to the metal. So, yeah, I'm all over the Broncos. They're actually, I think they're Boise State right now. I, I should have checked this for sure, but... I think they're top five in uh, S&P Plus right now, or at least close to it. Well, which, Randy Edsel thinks they're better than UCF, so. Interesting. I haven't thought about that one, so I'm not going to give you a straight answer here. Yeah. But but I will say right now, if you go look at S&P Plus, I have been a big fan of it in the past just as, as a tool, but it's got some really, really kind of crazy things going on right now. Like There's some flaws right now. Yeah, right now... Uh, Boise State would be, I think, about a two-point favorite over Clemson, which just kind of on its face is is crazy, I think. Uh, I think they'd also be something like, I think USC would be like a pick against Louisiana Lafayette. So a lot of weird stuff going on in S&P Plus, but I digress. Let's move on from our triple lock there and go to Jerry World. Number four, Ohio State is a 12.5-point favorite against number 15 TCU so still no Urban Meyer of course though he's he's been at practice but Ohio State has looked every bit as good as we thought they'd be but TCU is right now a tough team for me to handicap I could convince myself they're top 10 or even you know outside the top 25 and to me it all depends on Sean Robinson he's looked pretty good against the bad competition they've faced but still not sold on him as a passer really just their offense in general going up against a good team. So I think he and they will struggle in this one. If TCU is going to have a chance, I think they need some luck, maybe a punt return touchdown from Kevante Turpin, who did that last week against SMU. That's likely to happen. Yeah, yeah it might. You know, uh, Maybe winning the turnover battle, something like that. But outside of that, I think Ohio State's too good, too talented. Haskins is looking like a Heisman contender. I'm taking the Buckeyes. Yeah, my, I'm pretty similar with your line of thinking here, Mike. I, I want to go with TCU, but I just don't trust Sean Robinson. He struggled quite a bit last week against a weak SMU defense, and they just kind of overran them in the second half, and it wasn't really because of Sean Robinson. Um, so I think Ohio State's going to be able to make the Horn Frogs one-dimensional and really shut them down. I know the Horn Frogs have a good defense, but there's just too much firepower for the Buckeyes there. So I, I agree with you. I think uh, Ohio State pulls away and wins by more than two TDs here. You know, I I love Ohio State in this game, but it is kind of funny that they, just by chance, they happen to play probably the two worst FBS, or I mean, sorry, Power 5 schools this season, Rutgers and Oregon State. <laughs> Arguably. Arguably. Illinois, maybe. Although they're 2-0. Well, they face Illinois too as well, don't they? That's, well, do they? Oh, do they? All right, Trey, why don't you talk, and I'm going to fact check myself. All right, fact check away. But yeah, Haskins has been playing like the Heisman frontrunner, honestly, through two games. He's completing about 80% of his passes. He has a 9-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. Obviously, the competition steps, steps up a little bit. But, you know, I, I love Gary Patterson. He does amazing things, but but they're just outmatched here. I, I'm not high on Sean Robinson like you guys I think Ohio State's a downward train here rolling, and they're going to just go right over the Horned Frogs. 
All right. So I'm going to fact check here. Trey and Ryan, I think you guys just mentioned that Illinois does play Ohio State. They don't. No, I said he does. I know. I said I didn't know. No, you guys both. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you guys both said that (laughs) Ohio State definitely plays Illinois. And that's incorrect. It's okay to admit when you're wrong, guys. It's okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Way to spin that. (laughs) Uh, Okay. All right. There's our picks there. Next up, number 10 Washington is a six and a half point favorite at Utah. Ryan, what do you think here? Yeah, I'm very excited to watch this one. It always seems like the Utes play top teams really tough uh, when they're in Salt Lake City. And I don't think this one's going to be any different. Tyler Huntley was really efficient last week at Northern Illinois, despite the fact that his receivers had a lot of issues with drops. Um, And that Ute Ute defense has looked fantastic so far. Um, I know they've played a not-so-good offensive team in Northern Illinois and Weber State, but still, they look good. I think you're um, overselling Tyler Huntley right now. They scored seven he, points at at Northern Illinois. Look at his stats. It wasn't his fault. All right. Mike. Sorry, Rye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on to Washington. They, they looked a little sluggish last week against North Dakota, browning through a couple of picks, and they didn't really look all that sharp. So I think uh, this one's going to kind of come down to the very end. And I'm going to say that the Utes pull off the upset. All right, Ryan, I'm going to fact check you before you move on. Uh, the offense actually scored 10 points against Northern Illinois, Utah's offense. Mm. So wow, you just, said seven. You just said seven, right? So I just did. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> I didn't even know I did, but apparently wow. I did, right? All right, Trey, what do you think about this game? Uh, this, is a, this is a tough one for me to handicap. Utah's defense has been stifling so far this season. They currently rank number one uh, in terms of defense in the S&P Plus through, through a couple weeks. And on the Washington side, Browning, he's been he's been shaky. He's thrown three picks. We all know about that key fumble he had near the goal, goal line against Auburn. He's going to need well need to play well in order to beat these Utes. The problem, though, for Utah is their offense has started fairly sluggishly. So I, I envision a lower scoring game, and with the lower scoring game, I'll take the better offensive team in in Washington, but. In terms of the overall points, I'm going to take Utah in a close loss. If any of that made sense recently, but I say UW wins close. Uh, that confused me very much, Trey. <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to argue with you guys about Utah's defense. Obviously, it, it looks very, very good. But nothing I've seen this year so far makes me change my mind about the team as a whole because I think the offense is going to hold them back against Northern Illinois. Tyler Huntley's stats may have looked decent, I guess, you say, with some drops, but he took six sacks in that in that game. I didn't watch the game. I don't know if it was the O-line's fault or his fault, but either way, that is Definitely a problem. Definitely the O-line. Definitely the O-line. <laughs> okay. All right. Either way, that's, <laughs> that O-line is going to be going up against Washington this game, so much bigger test. Um, so yeah, and Eric Weddle, even one of their most notable alums, he has been uh, complaining on Twitter about the fact that Utah just can't put together a great offense. So I think Washington's a, a much better team on both sides of the ball. I'm going to take them minus six and a half. But I have to mention one guy who is looking like a breakout player for Utah this season. Their, their sophomore wide receiver, Britton Covey, just got back from his mission. He's 5'8", 170. Hey, that's me. There you go, Ryan. You could you could be a great wide receiver in the Pac-12, apparently. Just suit me up and I'm ready, baby. <laughs> he played quarterback in high school, so I'm going to predict that he throws a touchdown pass in this game. Wow. Just, wow. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. What are you guys going to give me if, you act- if that actually happens? I'll just give you a text. Be like, wow, great job. Great call, Mike. <laughs> I'll, I'll fact check you to make sure that you actually said that on the podcast. Okay. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Let's get to our honorable mentions. Ryan, get us started here. All right. First game is uh, number 22, USC at Texas, who's favored three and a half points. Which of these teams can stop the bleeding? They both seem to be heading in the wrong direction and are in desperate need of a win. I say whoever loses this game, that coach is going to be feeling some heat. Um, And I think uh, it's going to be Clay Helton that's going to be feeling that. I think give me Texas in a close one. Uh, Moving on to OU, number five OU, minus 17 and a half at the Cyclones. OU's looking pretty unstoppable so far, while Iowa State could only muster three points this past week. uh, And uh, Kyle Kempt is actually questionable for Saturday, so I think Oklahoma is going to get a big win here. So give me the Sooners. Uh, Missouri is minus seven at Purdue. Uh, Purdue hasn't looked great so far. 0-2 coming off that last second loss to Eastern Michigan. Uh, And the the Boilermakers gave up 347 yards passing. So I think Drew Locke is going to have a huge game and uh, beat Purdue by more than the seven points. And my last game is BYU at number six, Wisconsin, who's favored 22 and a half. BYU's got a good solid defense, uh, but they again suck on offense. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think there's any way they can score more than 10 points in this one. So give me the Badgers minus the points. My first game, Boston College minus seven at Wake Forest on Thursday. Kendall Hinton still suspended. Sam Hartman has been pretty good, but I think the fact that he's a true freshman will show up in this one. Give me Boston College. Next game, number 14, West Virginia is a four-point favorite at NC State. Great quarterback matchup here, Will Greer against Ryan Finley. I like West Virginia. I think Kenny Bigelow has been a huge addition for them, helping shore up that defensive line. Though I will say, Hurricane Florence is coming, and it's possible this game and maybe even the Wake Forest game won't be played, so we'll see. A lot Best- of cancellations with weather this year, just not good. No, not good. Best wishes to everyone out there who, uh, who might be affected. Next game, Duke at Baylor. Baylor is a six-point favorite. So with Daniel Jones out with that fractured clavicle and not to mention their All-America candidate quarter cornerback Mark Gilbert out for the season, I like Charlie Brewer to find Jalen Hurd and Denzel Mims for a couple touchdowns. I'll take Baylor minus six. My final game, Vanderbilt at number eight, Notre Dame. Notre Dame's 14 and a half point favorite. But Brandon Wimbush is who he thought he was. Uh, I think yep. I could not believe anyone was letting a few first half passes against Michigan change their minds. I like Kyle Shermer and Vanderbilt to keep this one close. All right. My first game is number one, Alabama minus 20 and a half at Ole Miss. The good for Ole Miss is they have the most explosive offense in the country right now. The bad is they have one of the worst defenses. Alabama is going to be able to do whatever they want against the Rebels. And they obviously have the dudes to slow down the Ole Miss attack. Bama wins big. Number 23, Arizona State, minus 4.5 at San Diego State. Can Herm avoid the letdown after beating Sparty? San Diego State hasn't looked like its old self through two weeks as they recently struggled with Sacramento State. Also of note, Christian Chapman, their quarterback, is out after injuring his knee. I'm going to lean with the more athletic and confident Sun Devils. Next game, number 21, Miami, minus 10 at Toledo. It's really cool to see Miami go up to the glass bowl and play a team like Toledo. Miami was able to take out its frustration from the LSU game on Savannah State last week. I think Toledo and one of the promising young coaches in Candle will give Miami all it can handle but lose a competitive one. Finally, 
Houston at Texas Tech. Texas Tech is currently minus two. McLean Carter is currently questionable at quarterback, but whether it's him or Bowman back there, I like Houston. They're one of the most fun teams to watch. Although Houston isn't a juggernaut on defense, I trust them to get a few more stops than the Red Raiders. De'Eric King, my boy. Yeah, he's your boy. All right, good work, guys. Let's get to the questionable finish. Kansas snapped a 46-game road-losing streak this weekend with a win at Central Michigan. What's something you've struggled to do for a long time, but were finally able to overcome? For me, I'm going to say being able to shoot a 79 in golf. I had, uh, you know, been playing golf my whole life, and then it wasn't until up a couple years ago when I was able finally to break through and score to 79. So that was a big moment for me. Well done. Uh, Thank you. So for me, it was on a flight from Tokyo to L.A., and someone on the flight established the high score in Tetris. You could see what everyone was scoring. And so I spent the whole entire flight. It was the quickest flight ever because I spent like six hours trying to beat that record. Finally, finally beat the record. So I was the champion of Tetris of that flight. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Thanks, Congratulations. guys. Thank you. Uh, I'll go on a personal level. It took me a while to finally propose to my girlfriend. Yeah, it did. And yeah, I it did. I finally, I finally bit the bullet, but I did it, and we're here now. And we're, we're glad that you did. Next question. Miami beat Savannah State 77-0. to zero. Name a time when you knew you were going to fail miserably, but you tried anyway. All right. So this past winter, uh, we decided to, to go ice skating. And I, I haven't been on ice skates since I was probably seven years old, so I knew I had just no chance and it's it was harder than I thought re- even remembered. It was difficult. <laughs> fell fell quite a few times. Hugged the rail. Hugged the rail. <laughs> but I went. I went. And you know, once you get the hang of it, it was fun. But I I still couldn't quite get the hang of it. <laughs> it's hard. All right. For me, it's every time I played Halo online in my twenties against like teenagers on there, because those kids are unbeatable. Wow, Mike, that's crazy. I said the exact same thing. I said no Halo. way. Yeah, because like that's I was, crazy when I was <laughs> when I'd play up in uh, at college. Some of my guys that w- my roommates would play, and they were just insanely good. Like <laughs> I would be ready to play, I'd get, I'd die, and then I'd get spawned back in. And like before I could even turn, like yep. I'm dead already. Like, <laughs> yep. I didn't get how it was. I didn't understand how they were that good. It was it was incredible. All right, final question. Let's get our questionable picks, our upset specials for the week. You got to pick a team that is a seven plus point underdog to win outright. I'm going with North Texas against Arkansas. They're seven-point underdogs. Arkansas looked terrible against Colorado State. And Mason Fine for North Texas has started off the season great. 400 yards in each of his first two games. So give me North Texas to win. He's so fine. I'm going to take Purdue plus seven. They're hosting Missouri. Everyone's writing Purdue off after their loss to Eastern Michigan. I think they're going to rally the troops. Their season's in doubt right now. They need a big win, so they beat Mizzou. All right, I like that one, Trey. Um, I'm going to take Vandy. They're getting 14.5 at Notre Dame. Vandy dominated their first two games against Middle Tennessee and Nevada, while Notre Dame struggled last week against Ball State. So I I think Kyle Shermer can lead the Commodores to an upset victory um, in uh, South Bend. All right, it's a gutsy pick, Ryan. I like it. Yeah, well, you know, I didn't like what I saw last week out of the Irish. That'll do it for the College Football Bros podcast. Thanks for listening to our week three preview episode. Guys, we didn't mention the whole entire podcast, the biggest game of week three, 
Rutgers against Kansas. Oh, it's true. I'm going to need a pick from each of you guys in this game. What do you think? Wow, that's a real tough one. But I'm going to go Rutgers. Kansas just got their first victory on the road in forever. So, you know, I don't think they'll be ready to play. <laughs> they're still celebrating. <laughs> they're going to rest on their laurels there. They've accomplished enough this year. Yeah, exactly. They're still celebrating. There's still champagne flowing. <laughs> no, I'm going to go with the, I'm gonna go with the yeah. hot team, the Jayhawks. They're on fire. <laughs> nice. All right. I'm, I have like a sort of conditional pick here. If Art is healthy, if Art plays, give me Rutgers. If not, Kansas all the way. All right. All right. Well, had to get that in there. I'm glad you did. Had had to get that in there. We had to mention this, mention that on this podcast. But <laughs> once again, thanks for listening. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Share the podcast on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. And we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.